Welcome to the Manifesting Clarity Podcast, where we work together to help you receive the answers to your big what's next question. Hi, I'm your host, Jen Roth. I'm excited to share how my journey of building a business as a massage therapist and herbalist has led me to my biggest passion, clarity coaching. My deepest desire is to help you create a life you absolutely love. So with each episode, I'll bring you firsthand stories and proven methods from industry leaders who have faced challenging decisions and stepped into their power to unlock a life of their dreams. It's my intention to bring you inspiration and answers so you can navigate your life's next big step. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Happy Wednesday. So thrilled to be here with you and to be bringing you another dear sister. I am stoked to dive in, have this conversation, you having the opportunity, all of the listeners, wherever you might be in the world, um, to hear Janine's story. And um, she actually wrote a book about this chapter and portion of her life. I'm sure we'll talk about a handful of things today, and maybe we'll be having multiple episodes chatting about all kinds of things. But um, it's a, it's a, such a huge um, passion that I have for myself, as well as for those on the planet at this period in time, asking the question of how do we move from fear to trust? And many people are talking about it. How do we let go of anxiety? How do we be in the present moment? How do we ask ourselves what we want? There's a lot of these conversations happening right now. And um, this is a super special conversation for me because it, it is, I feel like going to create a thread through possibly what has happened for the last handful of years um, and, and help you heal from, from that. If you are in a place of resistance and, or really experiencing the fear of the current times we were uh, feeling many, many, many people were feeling out of control during the pandemic. And many people I'm hearing in conversation are feeling out of control right now with the shift and change and whether it be the economics of what's going on in the world, political viewpoints, like just so many aspects. And the one thing that allows us to stay steady is when we develop an incredible relationship with ourselves. So I am going to hand this over and have Janine go ahead and introduce yourself. Who are you? What are you up to? And um, we'll dive into this conversation. So thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to share your message with the world. Oh, I'm so excited for our conversation. <laughs> Thank you. I am Janine Valentine, and I have written a book called Both Things Are True, A Journey from Fearing Trust to Trusting Fear. I wrote that because I, I got quarantined in the Maldives in October, September and October of 2021. I had been on a vacation with friends, and we all had to PCR test to fly home, and I alone tested positive so all of my friends flew home without me and had to leave me there. And it wouldn't have been as traumatic if there had been a plan in place, but there was not a plan in place. The Maldivian government required me to quarantine for two weeks, but they did not have anything set up. So I had to find my own place to stay. I had to source my own food and water, my own medical care. I had a cash situation because they have a closed currency and they wouldn't accept 
most of the cash I had because it had little tears or ink or something on it. And most places wouldn't take my credit card. So I ended up having to ration food and water and I mean, just all sorts of obstacles. It was very complicated and and scary, which is kind of how the book morphed out of that is that I really came face to face with my greatest fear. At, At first, it was the fear of being left, being abandoned. I was left behind. There was an 11 hour time difference. I was completely out of touch with everyone that I knew. Where I was, very little English was spoken. It was more isolating than I'd ever been. So I really had to lean only on myself. I couldn't lean on my friends and family like I might in a crisis. And I discovered I had some trust issues with myself. And when you're already in a very vulnerable state and feeling terrified just about your own safety, to discover that the one person you have to protect you and help you is yourself and crap, I don't trust myself. uh, It really makes you take a really deep look. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what happened with the book. (laughs) I journaled the whole time I was there and came home and I was like, uh, I'm not alone in this. Other women, especially not just women, I am hearing from men, it's impacting as well, but primarily women need to hear this, need to know that this is normal. We need to normalize fear. We need to normalize lack of trust and we need to talk about it and bring it out into the light uh, so that we don't feel alone in it and so that we can create community around it. Yeah. And there's so many things, right? Fear of being left. So we've got abandonment stuff coming up and coming through. And I can only imagine, I would say almost all of us probably have a fear of that to some extent showing up in different ways and not having a common language to speak with people who you're surrounded by then creates a whole nother level of fear being, you know, tapping in and and getting ready to lean on ourselves. I can't tell you the amount of women. I know I did it personally for a very long time and I'm working through the emotions of it right now, but what do you do when you're quiet? What do you do when you're not invited to something? What do you do when there aren't all of the things that we can get lost in? And I had been going so fast, just rev speed of like, how many things, what can I do? Who can I be involved with? And running away from a lot of that stinging and, or uncomfortable, like pit in my stomach, whatever it was. And however it was showing up, I got to fill it with stuff and putting things on my plate before COVID. And as we moved through that period of time, I was really grateful actually for a lot of the people to have slowed down. So I wasn't getting, I was able to say yes to myself more, um, which at that moment in time was my business and being able to support people through immune boosting teas and that kind of thing. And then the second year of it, I thought, oh my goodness, I want to do this differently. I want to do it in a way that I'm not running myself ragged because even though I wasn't saying yes to all the other things, I was pedal to the metal as far as work goes. And so 2021, 2022 have been this exploration of what do I do with this discomfort? of getting to be with myself. And my husband loves his work and he's super passionate about that. So he's not around all that much. And I really am loving still not saying yes to people all the time and figuring out what do I do with this discomfort and not hiding it with 
drinking or something that I want to do to alter myself in some way, right? Of really having this healthy dynamic. So riff off of anything that I just shared and or anything that came up for you from that experience. I think um, what I noticed during the pandemic, even before my quarantine was all of our coping mechanisms were taken away. Uh, So it just really did leave us, you know, in this weird space. But the plus side of that was that it kind of gave everyone permission to slow down. And I needed that. I needed permission because I was in the camp where I was very self-judgmental. I felt a lot of shame if I wanted to just do nothing. (laughs) It was like I was that person that would pause a movie if I was watching it at home at least every half hour, sometimes 15 or 20 minutes, quickly go get something done off my to-do list, come back, watch again. It's like I had to earn the right to sit for a while. And that that just has to do with, you know, how I was raised and our value coming from what we're doing, not who we're being. It just was really interesting for me to notice, like, everyone's just sitting. <laughs> it's okay. And somehow that gave me the permission that I needed. Um, But you're right. I mean, it's uncomfortable still because what I realized was, uh, what do I want to do? What is, what's playful? What does a woman in her fifties do by herself to play? Like that's challenging, you know? So um, just kind of coming up with those things, I, I was really faced with keeping myself company during the quarantine, you know, in the Maldives. It was just me. I had very low energy and I had basically no resources, no money, nothing. I could like, I couldn't go have an experience, you know? So how do you keep yourself company? Can you walk us back to the moment when you were tested? Because wasn't there, tell us about that. I'm pretty yeah. sure there's been many people that were having a similar experience. As sure. Her. I, I didn't have symptoms when I was tested. It was just a requirement to fly home. And so I had zero expectation of testing positive. We had only been on this boat. It was a small boat. It was a, a 50 meter dive boat, like a yacht kind of, it was a little bougie, honestly. It was gorgeous. Absolutely. Had, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so we only had exposure to one another on this boat. It's not like I was like, touring around on land. I wasn't going to different restaurants. It was just all these people who had been tested before we got on board, spent a week together. I fully expected to be fine, but I tested positive. So I was taken off the boat and taken to retest thinking it was probably an error and it wasn't. (laughs) So then that's when I was put into quarantine. Um, And so while everyone else was flying out, I was checking into this hotel that was not a tourist hotel because they wouldn't have allowed me to stay without a negative PCR test. And then when I woke up the the next morning, I was symptomatic. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was vaccinated and I fortunately didn't get dangerously sick. And it also didn't last as long. I still didn't feel well all the way at the end of the 14 days. I didn't have my strength all the way back and I still had some symptoms, but the worst of it passed around day six and seven. I started to feel improvements, but yeah, I was very, very dizzy, very lethargic, horrible aches and pains, headache, lost my taste and smell, which was a blessing. just all of that. Right. So the usual things, the dizziness was actually the hardest piece for me. 
I had a spiral staircase up to my room and it was, I counted finally at the, it was like almost at the end of my trip when I counted, but it was 52 stairs (laughs) up this spiral staircase. There was no elevator option. So when you're dizzy and you're low energy and you're wearing a mask and you have to go in a spiral (laughs) down and then carry some bags of food or water back up there, it was always very, very challenging. Yeah. And we were having a conversation about um, emotions coexisting. So can you talk to me about how that was? Because there had to, there just had to have been, I can't only imagine the emotions and the thoughts that were flooding you during this time. Yeah. Um, I, I think where I was at emotionally going into this trip, the way I had treated emotions that I labeled as negative was that I would like try to find a way to flip it and, and see what was good or how I could look with a different perspective at the situation and feel something more positive about it. So that was kind of my wheelhouse when I went into this experience was to try to find that thing. But when, I mean, when something like this is going on, (laughs) I just was really berating myself. I had, I found myself feeling ill-equipped. Like I was less than, like I wasn't doing it right. Like I was afraid I was going to be completely enveloped with this negative stuff. I believe in manifestation. And so I thought, oh my gosh, if I give in to the fear, then I'm going to manifest more fear, right? Because I'm that's where my focus is. And so I was trying to push all this stuff down and, and it kept popping back up. And I was just having like this struggle with, with all of this emotion. Finally, I realized I could move it through my body and I could allow it to constantly exist inside of me while also finding what is beautiful. I didn't have to replace it. I didn't have to negate it or invalidate it or pretend it wasn't there. I could just allow it to hold hands, you know? So that's kind of how I started to picture it. I personified a lot of things. I joked that it was sort of like Tom Hanks uh, with his Wilson. (laughs) It was, but these were in my head that I had started like fear was capital F. And this was, she was a toddler throwing temper tantrums constantly to get my attention, right? I just was like, okay, you're going to hold hands here with trust, capital T, and we're going to go find beauty, capital B. And I just started to learn that like, I could allow them all to be inside of me at the same time. Uh, it's so helpful because what we know from science or what I believe we know from science is truly that we can't hold a positive thought at the exact same time as a negative thought. And it happens rapid fire in 125 thousandths of a second, right? And I don't know that we can even understand what's happening in our bodies with all the different chemical cascades that are happening due to thoughts that are coming through our body. So it feels, I feel like I'm often on just being jerked back and forth, right? Of like, oh, I got this. I can do this. And then, no, you can't. Who do you think you are? I got this. I can do this. Who do you think you are? So I I really love how you're bringing all of it together 
for myself, the color guide and the shift guide of words that we use in clarity is so helpful and was one of the very first things that helped me go, oh, I'm, I am feeling fear. And the opposite of that is trust. And I want trust. So how do I get that trust? And then it actually takes 17 seconds of saying something over and over and over again, in order for the negative cascade to switch over into the positive, into our endorphins, right? So that's a lot of time when we're feeling this 125,000 of a second rapid fire that's occurring with whatever it is, wherever we are. So I'm really curious about where did you get the capital B and capital T from and and how did you play with that? Because it does bring it, it brings it all into, it was your unique way of expressing that at that moment in time and acknowledging these as well as really being present with all of the feelings. And, And I love that you also said not shoving it down, not pushing it down, stuffing it down. We do that so often with our thoughts and emotions. There's several things I want to touch on from what you just said. So the capitalizing, I think, is just me. I'm a poet. I often capitalize certain words. I think in metaphors and personification comes naturally. It wasn't anything I did intentionally. It just was how I think. I was watching the sea and talking to the sea a lot. And it was my stand-in for source while I was there. And the concept of holding them both came from the sea. There was a barrier reef and the water was wild and turbulent outside of it. And it was calm inside of it, but it was all one sea. And I was like, if, if you, the sea can be both turbulent and calm at the same time, so can I. And that's kind of where the idea came from. And then because I think in metaphors, um, a long time ago, I, I took a course where someone used a teeter-totter. Do you remember the old school teeter-totters? Where if you stand in the middle and try to balance how much energy it takes. And so they were saying to allow yourself to tilt one direction and then tilt the other direction, which is, I think, what I had been trying to do with my emotions. What came to me while I was there is that it, I play piano not like expertly, but I dabble in piano. (laughs) And um, to me, it's like left and right hand. You have to learn them and pay attention to them separately to master a piece. But when you put them together, it's beautiful music. And so allowing your fear left hand bass to play its thing, if you can get your right hand, you know, in sync with that, but playing its own melody, it's like, do your thing, like feel they're both true. They're both important aspects of our full expression. And I just, I understand that fear just walks with me. She is not going away. And I think, I think it's important. I think actually fear has a lot to teach us, right? It's, it's kind of, we look at it as flashing hazard lights, but it's really like a beacon, like over here, this is the next thing. This is the doorway. This is how you grow. And, and so I just think we need to stop labeling it as a bad emotion and just learn to balance it by playing through. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big paradigm shift. Oh, um, so this weekend I hosted a retreat in the mountains and we were doing sound healing. And one of the things that I've learned from someone recently is this whole 
speaking of the ocean and that I think it's Marianne Williamson who says that we are one wave in the big, big ocean. And that was something that we were tapping into, like, even though it may look really rough on the top of the sea and actually be really rough, right? Like there's a lot of turbulence. There's a ton of energy moving at the belly of the sea. It's still, and there's like this tranquility that's happening. Right. And so I love that you just brought that in is I really believe it. I believe that we can have this swirl of whatever it is going on and we can pause and reassess and come back to our center and our knowing and our being in this moment, we don't have to be anything and we're fully taken care of. Like our heart's beating, our mind is working, our blood is flowing through our body. We aren't asking for one darn thing, right? Like it is doing it for us no matter what. The ground is holding us. We don't have to ask for those things. And so being able to have that, I love how you bring in right and left hand and how that's occurring, right? And I, I really used to operate from like, whoa, this pendulum swing of like way over in fear and then swirl there. And then everything becomes through the viewpoint of fear in that moment. And nothing really looks very great. And gratitude was one of those super simple things that I would do to bring myself back. So I love that you're doing this whole capital B and capital T and um, capital F as well. And then the other piece that I'm in love with right now is tell us more about what what does removing the label mean to you? Because I feel like this is a huge opportunity for the the planet to heal um, as we begin to, people like you and myself and all of you listening, I'm sure, have some affinity towards removing labels. Yeah, I just we're not even aware of how much we label as bad and good. And who decided that, you know, these are, it's just like, as you move through this, you realize you have old beliefs that you need to challenge and let go of. And I am just putting on the table that I think our label system is an old belief and someone, it didn't serve them. I'm guessing a parent or a grandparent somewhere out there eons ago was like, I, this behavior is unacceptable (laughs) that you're being bad, right? Bad girl. Like, oh my God, it just gets me right here when I hear that. But it's, we've held that. We've carried that with us generationally. And so we think we're being bad if we do whatever, you know, if we take care of, take time to take care of ourselves, it's like, oh, that's selfish and selfish is bad. (laughs) And it's even, it's even things that you might still think of as bad, like um, having a, a fit of anger and lashing out, right? Like, okay, we could probably handle that better. And that's probably behavior we want to work with. But is it intrinsically bad? Like, is that anger bad? Like, it's important. It's important that we have the full expression. It is okay. Some things make us angry in a rightful way. Like, we should be angry. And so we can learn how to work with those emotions in ways that don't cause inflammation to the situation, right? So we can learn and better ourselves and our own reactions, but not because the emotion is bad. It's just because we've, we have so little experience in working with these emotions that we've labeled as bad, that we don't have the skill set yet to allow it 
be, have compassion for it, be grateful for it. And, you know, just like fear, you know, it's, they're loud, these emotions, they're loud because we haven't been listening to them, right? It's like, they will be heard. So if, I think if we just look at them with more, more understanding, like, of course, you're angry. Of course you are. Let's validate it. Let's be in the room with it. Now, what's true and what's not true? What, what, what part of this anger is righteous and what part is tied to some old wound of yours, right? That maybe has very little to do with this situation. So it's just that I, I just think everything is happening as it's supposed to be exactly as it's supposed to be. It's not bad. It's not good. We're learning, we're growing, we're connecting, we're forming communities, all exactly as it should be. So if we could stop labeling it and start accepting what's happening and learn how to engage with it differently, I think that's where we're heading. Yeah. And it's all energy, right? Like learning how to manage and what to do with this energy that is causing a discomfort or causing an anger or rage to come through. And that energy is a catalyst for us to shift and change. So that anger, ideally, when we're noticing it and seeing ourselves in it is like, Ooh, and checking in, did that feel good? Was it a release that needed to happen and come through? And did it really, truly feel good? And then also is if it didn't feel good, we get an opportunity and a clue there as well, right? Of maybe it's not about being wrong and it's more about that was not the most effective way we could go about doing things. And that gives us an opportunity to see and think and feel through how do I get to do that differently next time? Even that you were just labeling, did it feel good or did it not feel good? Well, and it's so funny, oh. right? Because I could hear you say as well, um, better. And so we I, were using these yes. words in different yes, regards. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's just so ingrained. It's like, okay, did that feel helpful? Did that feel like me? Did that feel in alignment? Like we just have to shift our language and you're right. I used better. And it's like, so it's just so interesting. Like as I hear us even having this conversation, (laughs) we, I'm not as aware of my own as I am of someone else's. So we need to mirror for one another and help shift that language around it. Yeah. And you mentioned community, right? Earlier too, through, through this. And for myself, I truly am on a mission to make sure I have sisters in my field who will reflect that back to me immediately Mm -hmm. because we feel it come through and we heard it and it's so conditioned, right? So we have all of these. And then I say right after. So it's so, I, I, I love it. And it is, it has truly been what I've been doing since I was a little girl and didn't know what to ask for or how to have the conversations, but I loved going deep. I loved having real life conversations, not about toys or whatever the heck is happening or people at school, or I don't even know. It was like, why are we here? What are we doing? What are we up to? And to be able to do that with removing these labels and even effective and ineffective is in some regard, right. Is, is a label, but it has more to do with our own performance as well. And that's something else that I really love is how do we get to look at ourselves 
and see what is working or not working, what is in alignment or not in alignment for who we are and what makes us feel more most abundant, feel most expansive, have that feeling of maybe joyful and or aligned, but they do feel good to me, right? Like my heart flutters or my body resonates at a different, there's electrical pulses coming through there. That's super different. And then there's, they're both warm feelings, which is very interesting to think about, Mm. but anger or judgment towards myself comes with a different warm feeling. So I look forward to having more awareness next time I have anger coming through and and figuring Mm. out what the difference of it is. For me, I've been watching what do I allow and disallow expression of, and what do I have judgment around in others and in myself? And so those are the things where I'm like, ooh, okay, those are the labels I need to work on first, for sure. And that feeling for me is buoyant. Ah, I love it. Yes. It's like, okay, then, then this is in the right place. If I'm feeling weighted down, then that's something that has some feeling around it that needs to be worked with and expressed. Another a mentor yesterday was sharing, um, she said, it's like going into an x-ray room where we have a, the weighted coat or jacket that gets put on to protect us. And that for me, I could feel it in my body immediately, right? Of that weight that we feel or I feel when I'm not in resonance and it's not aligned. And uh, I was like, yes, because it's not something that totally knocks you out, but it's something that takes you down, like brings you a little bit more into density. Absolutely. And if you wore that all the time, you would stop being aware of it. So this was my pivotal moment on the beach. It was on day eight and I was having a vent session with the sea where I was really working through some hard stuff. And in response, it drew my attention off to the right. And there was a group of women in their full on burkas swimming in the sea, each of them holding on to a foam noodle because their fabric when wet, there was so much of it. It was layers and layers. And that's where I had this big epiphany of, oh my gosh, I'm wearing all these layers of saturated fabric. I've just put them on. These are ways that I have tried to fit in so that I could look status quo and behave like everyone else and not stand out, not be, you know, less, not enough or too much or all of those things. What do people expect of me? Who do I need to show up as? These are all layers I put on. So that's that same feeling as that x-ray thing. And I just realized, and that's where the word buoyant came from for me, because I imagined myself out there with them and that what would happen if I just allowed that fabric to slip off to the floor of the ocean. And what I felt were what seemingly are contradicting emotions, right? I felt super vulnerable, naked, visible, (laughs) but I also felt free and buoyant (laughs) and exhilarated. And so I was like, okay, I can feel all of those things at the same time. And this is powerful, but we just don't realize what we're walking around carrying. No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we begin to feel whatever it is and notice 
what we are carrying, then we can begin to put one down and put another one down as Kathy Heller. She's, there's so many things. She was like, when we're carrying all of these grocery bags, we don't have room for any more then how can we carry anything else? Right. Same thing with like, we're suffocating ourselves with whether it be a burqa or all the other things that we're carrying and that grace and that beauty. I don't know if you've had experiences. I had another girlfriend say to me, Jen, your Thanksgiving plate is full and you're trying to put a second layer, like put a, put a second layer on your Thanksgiving plate and it doesn't work. Like it all starts to just come off at some point. Right. And I loved it because, okay. Every time I say yes to something, I get to be curious. Like, is there room on my Thanksgiving plate for that or however? Right. And, and can we take those things off? And part of the piece about labels that I really love that you're describing is we can have these emotions and feelings at the same time. And there really is no good or bad at all. I personally believe, I really truly believe all there is, is love. Mm -hmm. And it's our disconnection from it or our connection to it that allows for these charges and, or potentially more anger, whatever that might look like for us. Mm -hmm. And your description of being in this vulnerable place as well as like sexy and radiant and, you know, open and free, and then having all these other things happen at the same time, like that's an experience. And thank goodness it is in a, it was in a safe place for you to get to do it with yourself and not with another person or however because those are the most memorable for us. Right. And that that's what we'll carry forever. And there wasn't a label put on it, right? Like this is, it, this is your right and your left hand playing together and getting to experience that. I mean, I was labeling it at first in, you know, all honesty, I was labeling the hell out of it at first, but at some point you succumb, you know, at some point you're like, this just is, I can't fight it anymore. So then you just, the labels stop. And you're right. I actually have had that thought. And this goes back to everything is exactly as it is supposed to be. I was always going to get quarantined on that island. It was meant to happen. And I had people who weren't on the trip with me who had initially some judgment around why didn't someone stay with you? I would have stayed with you was a response I got from some people. Like to them, that's, you know, expressing loyalty and love, right? I'm not going to let you go through this alone. And I really appreciate that. And also I'm like, that's why you weren't on the trip with me. Because if you had stayed with me, I would never have had this experience. And I needed to have this experience. It wasn't fun to go through, (laughs) but I needed to have it. And I'm profoundly grateful for it now on this side of it. Even while I was there, I reached a state of deep gratitude for it. So it didn't require me getting back to home and safety to hit that. But it's that, again, it's that it's like, we could label, this is a bad thing that happened to me. Yes. And (laughs) it's an amazingly beautiful thing that happened to me. It was a gift. It's both. It was an intense situation that occurred, right? It wasn't a bad situation. That I think we all have the opportunity of looking at, right? If, if we see something or thought of something or experiencing something in our mind that feels like it was a bad experience, how do we get to put a question mark at the end of that and ask a question about it to be able to reframe and see it as 
an opportunity and not to like say that we need to do that with every single experience. I would like to do that with every single experience because I, I believe that there is an opportunity that lies in something. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love it. And then the other piece that you're bringing in, right, are all of these people do it all the time. I do it all the time still. And it's unsolicited advice and opinions from other people, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, hi. And we get stuck <laughs> to some of them, you know, we like go play in, in that land for a moment of time. And what you're just sharing is so fun because it's someone else's codependency mm-hmm. that wouldn't have allowed you to be by yourself. Right. And so that and and coming from the best place and these are not ill willed i don't believe right on any level there goes a whole nother piece of judgment i really believe that if they're coming from a place of love and mm-hmm. it's that we get to recognize where in life are we co-signing for things that aren't healthy for us another thing i could tell uh was happening fairly often while i was there and even after i got back is i would have people say to me well at least you have an extended vacation, at least you're on a beautiful tropical island. And I know that they were trying to like point out the silver lining and, you know, but it's their discomfort, right? With the scary, hard thing that's happening. So they're trying to like, look over here at this shiny, beautiful island you're on. (laughs) And okay, yeah, there's some merit there, but it also was pretty invalidating to the actual experience I was in, you know, but we do that in conversations with people when, oh, don't cry. You know, we do that. We, we try to, to stop their expression of emotion. That's making us uncomfortable. Yeah. I observed it at this weekend as well with the, um, the retreat and I observe it in many situations. And it's something that as a massage therapist, working with women who are becoming wanting to become pregnant, they were so many of them were so sad and you could feel that right coming through and I didn't know what to do. And half of the time I was crying with them, which was also not professional. And then the other half of the time I wanted to give them a get up and give them a hug. I'm sure I did. And that was one of the gifts that clarity has given me in becoming going through all the way through the program and becoming clarity coaches, how to hold my field and how to hold space for someone else. I do think there's a moment in time when people really truly need touch and need a hug or can ask for one or that kind of thing. And I encourage all of you listeners to figure out where are you showing up that you're actually invading someone's personal space Mm. or going to do something because it's so uncomfortable for yourself, not for the other person. And that comes in pauses in conversations which is so fun because often I'll, I am taking notes, typing, and I'll hit the mute button so that I'm not distracting. And it takes me a moment to even get back and hit the unmute button to ask a question and go to the next place. And that seems to exaggerate it a little bit more. I'm already creating some space, but it is pretty miraculous what happens in that pause for the other person to tap into what in the heck they just said. And if there's more that's bubbling through for that to come out and, or for them to realize, oh, this is what I just said. And I want to say more about it. There's so much beauty that comes from those moments in time. And we're, I, I know I, myself on this planet for so long was 
like thinking of all the responses that I wanted to say mm-hmm. and not even necessarily listening to the other person, right? Because they said something that triggered something in me that I have to tell them about. Not always. <laughs> right, right. Can we just be in the experience with them? Yeah, it, again, it's just, we're, we don't have the practice. We yeah. don't have, this, this is not how we've been doing it. It's not how we did it in our families. It's, it's just new and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to practice and build these muscles. <laughs> we're going to learn. So can you tell um, everyone where they can find your book and how they can find you? And are you open to having conversations with people about any of these things? Yes. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to have conversations. In fact, tonight I'm going to another book club that has been my very favorite thing so far from having written the book is people are putting clubs together, even that weren't already in book clubs, just because they want to discuss this book. As you can see, it just brings a lot of conversation. And so I make myself available at no charge to go. If it's local, I'll go personally if I can, or on zoom, but just, um, to participate in that with them. And I, am. so amazed at the things that these women are sharing with me. It's like the trust in a room goes up, you know, when one person shares something hard, then other people feel safer to do it. And what I've recognized about my book is that I'm going first in my book. And so it's opening the door for conversations that are extraordinary and people just sharing stuff that they would have suffered through on their own and allowing themselves to not feel ashamed or embarrassed about it and allowing people to come in and be community with them. So yes. Um, so my website is janineballantine.com and um, on there, there's a link. If you want to do a book club, you can request me there. You can email me through there. Uh, there's a link to my book there. My book is also available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble um, in both the Kindle and print version. And as you mentioned, I'm working on the Audible book. (laughs) I'm I'm just now recording all my little pickups. So I'm hoping to have that uploaded before the end of the year, but no promises there. (laughs) It'll come in its most divine right timing. Exactly. And just for those who are are still on and still listening with us, um, tell us a smidge about what else you're up to in the world, because this is not your, your whole being. Right, right. I am an entrepreneur. I created a real estate transaction management company. And so I serve realtors in the Colorado area. I have about 25 or 30 clients at the moment and two assistants. And we just come in when they get a client, a buyer or seller under contract. And I handle paperwork, uh, appointments, compliance, communication, all of those moving cogs in the wheel for them from contract till close so that the agent can be present with whichever client they're out showing houses to or whatever and not be bogged down on their phone constantly. So yeah, so that's what I do. I also created a course teaching people how to do this because very little exists to teach us how to do this job. So I have that and I write poetry for fun. <laughs> I got all these facets, but now I'm also an author. So it's fun, but it, it is feeling more and more like this full expression of Janine. And I'm grateful. (laughs) So fun to see it come through you. It has just been such a joy. 
the first cover one of the first conversations we had was um about you building that course and what it would look like and it coming together so it's such a gift for me to see you in in your light and even still the day-to-day work that you're doing for realtors is such a piece that for me is so important in the world that we don't have to do it all that we can create together with teams of people who are lit up about more of the logistical things in the background and behind the scenes so you can shine in your brilliance and have that and be present in, in what lights you up too. So I thank you for, for doing that for all the people that you've touched in all the work that you're doing. You know, what I'm noticing is I'm having really good, deep, juicy conversations with my clients on my check-in calls now. I mean, we've always done a little bit of that because it's who I am, but it's oh, so much deeper now. There's just no compartmentalization. It's still professional, but it's, oh, we're talking about the hard stuff, you know? So I'm loving that you can bring those new aspects of yourself into every relationship. That's so fun. So all of that information will be in the show notes. Be sure to pick up Janine's book and thank you so, so, so much for your time today, for sharing all of your story and journey with us. Big, big hugs to you and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Manifesting Clarity. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others to find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.